Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Tara Saraban, and you're listening to World's Dumbest Criminals. If you're keen to hear about the most ridiculous, bizarre, and downright stupid criminals and crime stories in the world ever, you've come to the right place. In today's episode, you'll be hearing about a former location scout for The Bill who tried to hire a few different people to kill his partner of 27 years. He wanted to inherit her money and property so that he could afford to support his young Lithuanian sex worker mistress. And the defense he used during his trial is one of the most ludicrous things you will ever hear in your life. Alrighty, let's get cracking. Good morning. That's her schedule. Okay, now just to be clear, what, one of the other names that Sebastian gave me was a guy called Soldier. Yep. Do you know him? Yep. Do you deal with him? No, good. Okay, because he's, he's already shafted me for another 250 quid. Okay. If it could be done this week, I mean, because it nearly, it, it nearly unra- unraveled yesterday. Okay. Um, we, had a, we had quite a, a big argument just over something very, very uh, stupid. And, and I explode and she explodes and if we can do it this week okay leading up to March the 1st the car can be in your hands Tuesday or Wednesday and 10 grand in in your hand by the weekend I can then either well there is no doubt I will sell the house the quickest way possible and I've got an offer and there's a company that sort of buys at a cheaper that uh, 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 they don't buy at market forces but they can actually complete in in two days okay. um, I would then put the 150 grand into your into your bag into your hand it would be cash now what I'm saying to you now is if you can do it next week I'd be giving you the car you know, it could be sold for ten grand, but you know, that's it. But the ten grand, um, I would get for you by 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 that Saturday. What you just heard was David Harris sitting in a car with an undercover police officer, planning the murder of his partner Hazel. The undercover officer's voice was altered by the police to protect his identity before they released the recording. David opens by giving the guy he believes to be organising his partner's death a copy of her schedule so that he can choose a good place and time to murder her. He offers to give him a car and £10,000 as a down payment, then says he'll give him another £150,000 after he's able to sell her house. 
As you heard, David is in quite a hurry to have her killed. We'll be hearing more of their conversation later, but first, some backstory. In 1989, a friend of David's got him a job scouting locations for popular British police TV series, The Bill. This is where he met the show's script supervisor, Hazel Allenson. She had a successful career in television and had worked on BBC shows such as Doctor Who since the 1970s. Hazel and David were both divorced and in their late 30s when they got together. She was financially secure, and he was a lukewarm mess who spent money he didn't have to impress people by making them think he was more successful than he was. During their time together, Hazel bought numerous properties that the couple lived in and supported his lifestyle, while David squandered his money romancing other women and getting off with sex workers. In 2006, David stopped working altogether, apparently due to a bad back, depression and stress. Thank goodness nobody on earth ever has to work when they have a bad back, depression and stress. It's unheard of. David is a pathological liar and world-class manipulator, so I don't believe anything self-serving that he says. And, well, he doesn't say anything that isn't self-serving. After he quit working, Hazel footed the bill for his entire existence, paying for his clothes, his car, and giving him a £300 a month allowance. I bet he didn't do any housework while she was at work either. Oh, I couldn't possibly do the dishes. Bad back. Vacuuming? Are you out of your mind? I would surely die of the pain. You don't want my death on your hands, do you, Hazel? Anyway, I'm off to play golf. Toodles! David has two ex-wives, neither of which have anything positive to say about him. Despite warnings from her mother and best friend, David's second wife, a former makeup artist, married him in 1972 when he was an assistant film director. But it wasn't long before his lovable act wore off. She told the media that when he was young, he was a good-looking, charming womanizer. He would use women, abuse them, and then move on. She said, Marrying him was the worst mistake of my life. His attitude was, What's yours is mine, and what's mine's mine. The only good thing to come out of it was my daughter. He had numerous affairs, including one with an Israeli army captain. She said he put them both in debt to keep up his image and he also physically abused her. In 1977, after the couple returned home from a Christmas party, he beat her up so badly that she had to call the police. She was taken to Paddington Green Police Station, but they didn't really offer her any help, as she said, the law wasn't really on the side of women in the 1970s. And that's a vast understatement. Back in the 70s, beating your spouse was considered a private matter between a husband and his wife, so police and medical practitioners didn't feel that it was their place to intervene. Thank God we've entirely fixed that issue now. She left him in 1979 after years of abuse and hasn't looked back since. Oh, and he didn't contribute in any way to the upbringing of their daughter, who cut him out of her life in the 1980s. Good for them! What's not so good is that he treated Hazel like shit too. 
There's nothing in the media about him physically abusing her, but everything else is the same, so I wouldn't put it past him. He cheated on Hazel numerous times and liked spending her money getting it on with women a third of his age. Speaking of which, in October 2011, 62-year-old David met a 22-year-old Lithuanian sex worker named Ugner in one of the brothels he frequented. He became quite obsessed with the attractive six-foot-one young Ugner. Over the next several years, he spent £50,000 of Hazel's money on jewellery, lingerie and hotel stays for his sugar baby mistress. He even snuck Ugner into a house Hazel owned and had her pose naked on their bed with the couple's three spaniels. Oh, you should have left the spaniels out of this, you fucking monster! To account for his frequent absences from home, David told Hazel that he was volunteering to umpire cricket matches and also tending to his brother in a psychiatric hospital. Hazel found out about David's relationship with Ugner in 2014 when she discovered a bank statement in his pocket showing the tens of thousands of dollars that he'd lavished upon her. David later said that she forgave his infidelity because what they had was too important. The bond was too great for them to just separate after over 20 years. Oh, that's a shame. Cut and run, Hazel! No doubt he lied his bad back, depressive, stressed ass off to her and said he'd ended things with Ugner, but of course he hadn't. He was also feeding Ugner a bunch of lies too, as he blotted and schemed to find a way to get rid of Hazel, but keep all of her money and properties to fund his new life with his child bride. It's interesting to note that he knew he didn't stand a chance with Ugner unless he was paying for her. Clearly she wouldn't be with him if he was poor. Which might have been a tad exciting to him, as it was the direct opposite of all his other relationships. I wonder if he floated the idea of leaving Hazel, getting together with Ugner, and becoming her pimp so he could live off her too, because we all know he couldn't possibly work himself. Or did he go straight to plotting Hazel's murder because he thinks the women in his life owe him something? Mummy issues, thy name is David. In order to keep spending up big on Ugner, David turned to his wealthy neighbours for loans, but then he found he couldn't pay them back. By this point, Hazel had retired and was battling breast cancer. He probably saw every penny she spent on herself and her treatment to be taking away from the funds that he wanted for himself. But he didn't just want her money and properties. The entitled geriatric fuckboy thought that he deserved them, so he began scheming about Hazel's demise. In February 2016, he approached a mechanic named Chris May, offering to pay him to kill her. But instead, May told Hazel about the proposition and tried to warn her, but she didn't believe him. He should have just gone to rentahitman.com. David then approached a guy named Duke Dean through a friend, promising him £200,000 to do the dastardly deed. Duke told the Sun newspaper that David had explained he wanted Hazel killed because he was not getting any sex from her. He added that David was getting angrier and angrier about his partner, saying that she had to die to give him the life he wanted and was even considering killing her himself. 
Oh, don't you just hate it when your partner for a quarter of a century, who's been financially supporting you for over a decade, won't put out? What a bitch. I bet he never even asked himself why. Like maybe she doesn't want to have sex with me because I treat her like crap and fuck around. Or, you know, maybe it's the chemotherapy. Ever the location scout, David took Duke to the places Hazel frequented and suggested different ways to end her life, including faking a car accident, poisoning her, or pushing her off a cliff. When Duke asked him if he was worried he'd get arrested for planning her murder, David said he was confident he wouldn't be caught and that if he was, he could act remorseful if he needed to. Instead of going along with this madness, Duke contacted detectives at City of London Police and told them all about the nefarious plot. They set up a sting operation and David was introduced to an undercover officer known only as Chris who was to facilitate the evil scheme. When they met, David patted Chris down to make sure he wasn't wearing a wire. But hilariously, he didn't realise the car they sat in to discuss the murder plans had been bugged by the cops. Here's some more of their conversation from November 2016. Now, there's a possibility that that day, that day and that day, she could be, she could drive up to see a girlfriend in Wandsworth that day. In which case, she, she will be there in the morning from nine o'clock until 11 and then she would drive from there up to Wandsworth Common and if she sees her girlfriend during the day she may drive back at night so that day and that day is a possible possible Wandsworth this day shall I put that on there this day And that's ditto, yeah? This day could be another um, evening Pilates. Okay. Now, that, that, um, that really depends on... You see, she has this blood test um, on the 26th. And then on... That's the day she's, she's in the hospital. Now, I, I don't know whether that still seems to be the best option for you. Because she's... Now, I don't know what that does in terms of, of security, in terms of wards. How you get in through, lock, uh, through secure doors and stuff like that. Is it a public hospital? When you say public? Like a general hospital. Yeah. And then what I'm worried about is once she comes out of there, she's then got sort of five or six days convalescing. And I don't know if anything could be done then. That's why I'm hoping that I can increase your offer to 150 grand to get it done in that week. But I can start thinking that this might be over. And you're happy to do this for the 150 in the payments that we, we talked about. Yes, that's fine, yeah. 
I want. I want you to know that I need to get this done sooner. The the, the better. So what do you reckon? Now? I mean, I mean, for example, your your friend. Are they London based or? Are they... I mean, would they travel down to Chichester? Yeah, yeah. Well, be me driving anyway, so. And it, obviously, whatever happens, it will look like yeah. an accident or a mugging gone wrong or something of the sort. All right. So, what should I do? Should I just wait on a text from? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get in touch with you this evening when I've spoken to him. Okay. And then, um, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, mate. So I, can, so I can sleep in peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's do chill out and relax and uh, leave it to us. <sighs> Chris, I hope so, mate. I really hope so. Rest, rest up and chill. <laughs> well, I just, I just wish I could, but I won't until it's done. The next day, David was arrested for soliciting murder, quite literally with his pants down. He was naked in bed with Ugner in a South London B&B when it happened. Thankfully, the three Spaniels were not involved this time. During his trial, David, of course, lied his ass off and tried to put the blame for his actions on Hazel. He told the court, Hazel has never been very sexually orientated. I, on the other hand, have quite a large sexual appetite. If he was as abusive to Hazel as he was to his ex-wives, is it any wonder she didn't want to have sex with him? And what's the bet his large sexual appetite came in the form of a little blue pill he swallowed on the way to a brothel? He also came up with one of the most outlandish defences ever. He claimed that he tried to hire several people to kill Hazel because it was innocent research for a thriller he was planning to write. (laughs) Sure, buddy. He told the court. I thought what was happening to me at that time might form the basis for a good thriller. The storyline was based on my life. A guy meets a young girl, falls in love, can't be with young girl because he can't afford to be, but knows he could inherit if something happened to his partner. The hero of his imaginary book was ironically named Tom Noble. He was an attractive and successful lawyer in his forties none of which bears any resemblance to David's life. He'd also never written a book before and didn't write a single word of this imaginary tome either. His defence didn't have much to work with and tried to make David out as a silly, blithering, harmless old fool. At the time, there were numerous true crime shows and videos on YouTube of people caught in an undercover sting trying to plan a murder for hire. If you're doing research, wouldn't you just watch those and study the cases online? Even if you were somehow a method writer who wanted to do hardcore research in person, you wouldn't be giving hitmen your partner's real name and weeks' worth of her schedule in intricate detail. Oh, and he claimed he was pretend writing his pretend book about murdering Hazel to make money for Hazel. How laughable is that? Thankfully, the court saw it that way too. Prosecutor William Boyce QC told Harris that his story was absurd, adding, You were utterly sinister, utterly convincing, and utterly intent on the death of Hazel. 
Boyce also had a great suggestion for the title of his fictitious novel, saying, May I suggest The Good, The Bad, and The Ugner? David Harris was convicted of three counts of soliciting murder and sentenced to 17 years in prison. He'll need to serve half his sentence before becoming eligible for parole. So, yeah, nobody believed his ridiculous story, except for one person. And it wasn't Ugner. By the time the case went to court, she'd dumped his dumb ass. Despite all the evidence of his guilt and the guilty verdict, the one person who stood by David was the woman who he'd plotted to kill, his long-suffering partner Hazel. She hasn't spoken publicly about the case, so we don't know why. She's quite religious, being a parish counsellor and member of the church choir. Maybe she's just out of this world forgiving. Or maybe he's been manipulating and controlling her for so long she is hardwired to just go along with everything he says. I sure don't understand it, but for her sake I hope she's taken him out of her will. Hazel refused to be a prosecution witness at trial and continues to visit David in prison, where he plays the victim and continues to lie and try to manipulate. He's also tried unsuccessfully to appeal his case. A letter from David to his lawyers stated, I am, as I have always told you, innocent of what I was charged with, but guilty of causing Hazel so much pain and ruining her life. Our dreams of spending time together are rapidly diminishing as I will be 77 when released on license. Call me petty, but I hope Hazel is secretly working on an elaborate revenge plan. Pretend to stand by him while he's in prison and promise to continue to support him forever. Then, the day he gets out, serve him with divorce papers and say, Have fun at the brothel. Oh, what's that? You don't have any money to go to the brothel? Well, then, I guess you'll just have to go fuck yourself. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. To finish up, I have a few punchline crimes for you. These are short cases that sound more like jokes than something that actually happened. In April 2016, a Canadian man committed a very Canadian robbery. It was Friday night, so it was karaoke night at the Onaway Hotel Bar in Alberta, Canada. A 38-year-old man entered the bar with a concealed weapon and politely waited for a woman to finish singing a Dixie Chicks song. After the music stopped and she got her applause, he pulled out his gun and fired a shot at the ceiling to get everyone's attention. When the bar fell silent, he calmly demanded all the money from the cash register and he did not take anything from the patrons. After he was given the contents of the till, he went to leave, then turned around and apologised to everyone for interrupting their evening. He sincerely said, 
Sorry, guys, before scampering off to his getaway car. He was later arrested and charged with 13 offences, including armed robbery and careless use of a firearm. In June 2013, 30-year-old Florida man Rick Myers and his mates decided to go for a walk in Little Econ State Forest. And by go for a walk, I mean go pick magic mushrooms. That, in itself, is not a big deal. What makes this story noteworthy is that Rick thought it was a good idea to bring a live alligator with him in his backpack. Why? We don't know. Maybe it was his lucky alligator. Wildlife officials arrested Rick and his mates after an officer found them with the magic mushrooms, some marijuana, and Rick's backpack alligator. Rick was charged with felony drug possession, misdemeanor removal of plant life, possession of an alligator, which is personally my favourite charge in the whole world, and an unrelated probation violation. The gator was taken out of the backpack, revived a little bit, mouth-to-mouth, I'm guessing, and released unharmed into a nearby canal. When officers asked Rick what the deal was with his backpack gator, he said that he planned on taking pictures of it and then letting it go. But I think it's more likely that he was going to use it to defeat the Lizard Queen once his magic mushies kicked in. Last year, a woman in Bundaberg, Queensland, committed a rather bizarre crime and then got done for two others because of it. The woman, named Kyleen, was initially busted for stealing a bin from the toilets of Hinkler Central Shopping Centre. Because everyone wants to get their hands on a public toilet bin. They're the height of class and charm to complement any home decor. The court heard Kyleen drove to the shopping centre and obtained a shopping trolley. She then took it into the public bathroom and came back out pushing the toilet bin in the trolley. Kyleen, <laughs> Kyleen, 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 I'm begging to you please don't take my bin. When the cops were called by mall security to come get Kyleen, they discovered that she'd driven there under the influence of drugs without a license, as she'd previously been disqualified from driving. When asked to explain her actions, Kyleen said that she didn't even want the awesome classy toilet bin and had only taken it on a dare. It can't be considered a case of who dares wins, but it does raise the question, who dares bins? This brings me to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you want to stay up to date with all future episodes. And if you dug what you heard, please leave a review. If you'd like to support this independent podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash world's dumbest criminals. All levels get access to monthly bonus episodes and ad free episodes. And higher levels also receive a copy of David Harris's unwritten thriller called As If, You Lying, Cheating, Murderous Bastard. If you're up for more dumb criminals action in your life, then you can follow me on Instagram at World's Dumbest Criminals Podcast and Twitter at WD Criminals Pod. Or you could join our World's Dumbest Criminals Podcast Facebook group. And thank you to the preeminent Lorraine Ledwell for running the group with me. Till next time.
look after yourself, stay out of trouble, and whatever you do, don't commit a crime that makes you end up on this podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.